Susan and I had been married 18 years. We had two beautiful girls. Um, both found ourselves in very rewarding careers, and we were enjoying um, a lot of the fruits that society defines as being successful. Yet for me, uh, I just I had felt this stirring for a number of years. The void, the, the unknown, was, was exactly that. It was nothing more than this feeling in my heart and really in my soul that there was more. So my admin at the time saw something in me, and I think it was kind of that unsettledness. She'd asked me to watch a sermon from Pastor Robert, from Pastor Darren, and really encouraging me to come try River Valley. And I would kind of hold her at an arm's length saying, yeah, that sounds really interesting, but I feel pretty good about my life. I think she kind of had gotten to her wit's end, and she said, I signed up for Alpha, and you're going. So I did. And that was the first time I came through the doors of River Valley. From the moment I walked through the doors that first night of Alpha, um, very clearly there was a community that I wasn't familiar with as, a, as I thought about church all of my life. And really hearing the pastor talk about Christianity and faith in a way that I'd never heard um, really spurred me. And it made me think about it even in one night. Eric came home all fired up. He'd shared his experience with me and the girls would be around too and be interested to hear what he learned, what he experienced. The next step for us is to actually go to church. So that following Sunday, uh, we show up at uh, service on Sunday morning and we were blown away. People that I didn't even know were like, oh, you're Eric's wife, nice to meet you. I'm like, oh, great. And the worship experience was out of this world. And then 60 seconds into worship, my daughter Sydney, who was 11 at the time, you know, elbows me and tells me, Dad, we have found our church. Dad just sold it for us. Even now, I will cry during worship. Um, but for those first couple months, it was every song. Shortly after we started attending River Valley, I started to really get an understanding of the difference between religion and faith. Um, religion being very practical and, and faith being very active. I think deep down inside, I knew I was missing something. So I started sensing that I needed to have that relationship with Jesus. And it was um, Easter service that same spring where the pastor asked for folks who were willing to give their life to Jesus Christ. And uh, Susan and I did that that day. I think that was the first day that we were going to start this journey, this relationship with Jesus. Salvation's the beginning of, of a change in terms of how you live your life. I can't understand all of it yet because it continues to unfold. The, the doors that have opened up, the relationships that have been created, the richness and fullness in, in our lives that have come from that obedient step, it's been life-changing, no question, life-changing for all of us. Well, I love the uh, testimony that we just saw about Eric and Susan, their family, and uh, that's what we want you to be. In this church, we want people to be excited about River Valley. Come on, tell people about it. Tell people about Jesus, what God's done. If you have to, schedule it in someone's life. Get them to here, and let's see uh, the life change of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, he, that's the example of what we want you to be, and as we talk about this uh, series, um, I'm going to talk to you about miserably saved, and I know this. I've got a, a little bit of push back on the title um, a little bit. People were confused. Like, what do you mean miserably saved? Stick with me on this. All right. Stick with me. Uh, being saved is amazing. I thought I'd get a louder. Amen. Uh, maybe the other campuses gave me. A, okay. But being saved, knowing Jesus is amazing. But there are people that are miserably saved. And I mean, I mean, if you've looked at some Christians, can you not believe that they are miserably saved? 
I mean, they don't look happy at all. I mean, I heard one preacher say, if you're happy, tell your face. You know what I'm saying? Let's, you know, there are some Christians that should stay part of the underground church. You know what I mean? They just stay hidden, you know, but that's not what this series is about. It's not about, it's not about joy. That'd be another good series. But this is about um, uh, living how God wants you to be as a follower of Jesus, going all in and not stalling. Um, this was birthed out of me getting asked about people that are in our church or people that are in the spotlight that are celebrities, maybe perhaps that have visited our church. And people will always ask me like, is that person saved? Are they saved? Are they saved? Is, is that person real? Is that, is that legit in their life? And so people will, will ask me that. And um, just to let you know, I'm not the official judge of that. Okay. I'm not the judge. I'm not the decider of that. Okay. But I understand what people are saying. They're saying, give me some clarity as to how somebody does that but professes that. And are they really, you see what I'm saying? And so um, I, I started realizing there are some people that are, are just, it's a cultural reference to say, you know, I thank God. You know, we've all seen like the, um, the shows, the award shows where like they win an award for like a, a movie that's ungodly, <laughs> just awful. And they're like, I want to thank Jesus for this. And Jesus is like, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't in the movie, you know. Hey, yeah. Okay, there's like cultural references, you know, and I get it, I get it. Nothing lines up. Um, and then there's things where your personal sin is placed into the spotlight. Your personal sin is placed into the spotlight and people get a look behind the scenes and they see you in the struggle and they're wondering, what is that all about? And then there's, you know, there's just those inconsistencies in our walk where we, you know, irritate somebody or cross the line and they're like, I don't even believe they're a Christian, okay? Um, Sometimes I find myself saying, like, you know, somebody say, are they saved? And sometimes I'll, I'll say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, there's just there's not a lot there. I mean, I, I don't see a lot there. I'm just kind of trying to, you know, again, I'm not the judge. And I understand they're trying to say, help me process this. You know, I thought I'm supposed to be moving forward. Sometimes I, I'll say this, and I found myself leaning more towards this more and often now. Um, I'll, I'll say, like, I, I really think they're saved. I really think they're saved and they're in this struggle and they've got bad people around them and bad opportunities and, and they're afforded things and they're falling, but they're really genuinely wanting to move forward with God. And, you know, and then I find myself sometimes with nothing to say and a lot to pray for. I just got nothing to say and a lot. I just kind of like, I got nothing, but I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for, you know. And so it was during one of these moments that I, I was talking about someone, you know, and trying to say about their life. And somebody had asked me, and I said, you know, I think they're saved. I think they're just miserably saved. And, and the person was like, what does that mean? How can you be miserably saved? I mean, being saved is amazing. And, and, and I, I was, again, I was saying, well, I think it's somebody who got in on grace and has just stayed stuck at saved. Okay, does that make sense? They stayed stuck at saved. Like, I, I, the best way I could say uh, how to define what miserably saved means is if you feel like getting saved is the finish line, then you're probably going to live miserably saved. But if you see getting saved as the starting point, and now you're really alive, before you knew Christ, you were dead, and now you're alive. Now, it's not like... Whew, finally avoided hell and, and whew, now I can rest. I mean, think about a marriage that would be like that. Like you, you're, you're dating, you're putting the full court press on, you get to the marriage, you're like, whew, finally married. I can eat anything I want. Dude, I don't have to be nice anymore. We don't have to date. I mean, seriously. 
So if you see it as like, ta-da, and the end, you're probably going to live a life that's miserable. Okay, you're saved, but you're not moving forward into all that has. But if you see it as the point where it's like, man, it's going and it's moving forward. And it's like, man, this is awesome. You're going you're gonna to have an exciting adventure. So um, that's what I'm going to try to explain that being miserably saved means you're just like, oh, that's it. I'm done. And, and being saved just the way God wants you to be moving forward is like, hey, there's so much more. There's so much more for me. And um, again, just I want to be very clear um, about this, that, you know, we're all living in that struggle. You know, we're all living in that struggle. Nobody's perfect. Okay, so please, please, please um, don't go around here saying, mm, saved, not saved. <laughs> Question mark on that one. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that, right? Listen to what Philippians uh, 2 12 and 13 says, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, this is the apostle Paul speaking, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works uh, in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purpose. Okay, so you are responsible to work out your salvation. All right, so stop, stop doing this and start pointing here and saying here, here, okay. And live in your struggle and wonder, do you send out the message to other people that you're actually miserably saved? Or do you send out the message that, man, I know where I'm going. I think about what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7. I read Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, and I just identify. I mean, Romans 7, um, in verse 21, Paul says, So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's like, whew. And he's like, I am moving forward and I got this struggle going on and thank God that I've, that I've got it and moving forward. And I mean, again, that great theologian, Justin Bieber in his song, Purpose. <laughs> don't act like you don't listen to it. You do too. <laughs> you know, if you listen at the end of the song, he's like, he says this, he says, I feel this, like I'm trying my best. I don't want to let this happen again. God, I'm giving it all I got. I mean, you can just catch the struggle. He's like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And so instead of focusing on him or anyone else that you want to point fingers at, look at your own life and say, I'm living in this struggle. I'm living in this and I'm going to work out my, um, my salvation here, all right? Um, so when you, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, just to be clear, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, it says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All right? It's exciting. There's a new way to live. There's a joy in growing up and in moving forward. There's, it's, it's not the end. It's the end of the old way, but it's the start of the new way with Christ. And, and God isn't making a, a better you. He's making a new you. A new you. And he's like, come on, now grow in this. And you'll see all throughout the Bible, like, grow. Let's move forward. And in 1 Peter 2, 2, um, the apostle Peter, he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Grow up. God wants you to grow up and to move forward. And the joy is in moving forward. Again, I just got to say it one more time. I might say it throughout the whole series, but... Salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. 
You were dead before that, and now you're alive, and now you're moving forward in Christ. Get ready for this amazing adventure. It was never meant to be flatline. I got saved, and now I hold my space. It's no, I got saved, and now I'm growing in grace. Now I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm in a relationship with him. He's got more for me. All right, and so let's keep moving forward. Now, before I move any more forward, further forward, however I want to say it, we can't go past this, okay? What is worse than being miserably saved? Tragically lost. Okay, I don't want us to miss that. And I cannot assume for just a moment here that every person in our church knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay, and there are people all around us that are not miserably saved. They are tragically lost. Okay, and, and, and we have got to do everything we can. I'm praying that you grabbed hold of the vision message uh, last week and you, you have five names that you are, they, I'm trying to get them into the kingdom. I'm going to schedule them into church. I'm going to, whatever, whatever I got to do, they are tragically lost. And, 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 and we've got to reach out to them. And I, I you got to know this. If you are here today and you are tragically lost, at the end of this service, all of our campus pastors are going to give an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You do not have to stay tragically lost. Okay, I just got to explain this to you real quick. You're hearing the truth today, and I want you to understand that when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he died for your sins that he made a way for you to be forgiven and you repent from your sins, you turn from your sins and you say, God, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. He says, I'll forgive you. You confess that the only way you can be saved is through him. And you say, Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I'm gonna tell you this, grace comes into you. It forgives you. You go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And the Bible says that you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're now a child of God. And you're going to say, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, and I desire now to live for the rest of my life. I'm going to live. Yeah, there's going to be a struggle between flesh wanting to take charge, but I want you to take charge, and I'm admitting that I'm living for you now. And again, at the end of the service, we're going to pray. People are going to have that opportunity, and you're going to be able to get into this. And if you don't know him, I, I just pray that you would move from being tragically lost to being gloriously saved. Okay, that's, that's where we want you to be. We want you to live there and be able to say, man, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to be gloriously saved and then be on that adventure. And I thank God again for that testimony that we saw. Man, they are on the adventure and that's what we desire for every person. We desire for every person to move from tragically lost to gloriously saved, moving forward in Christ, making a difference. And that's, that's what you're going to hear at this church. This church, you're going to hear people saying, let's move forward. Let's not stay stuck. Let's move forward into what God has next, all right? Um, man, that's going to be exciting. I'm just excited about the end of the service already, and we still have time to go. So, uh, But I'm, I'm serious. That's what this church is about. This church is about introducing people to Jesus Christ. And um, man, that's never going to stop. Never going to stop. Now, those of you that are in the church, again, and I pray that the majority of our people that are here are, are not miserably saved, but I know it affects everyone. I know it does. I know that there are people that are, that are stuck and they're stalled. And I want you to move forward. And um, I see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul is, is talking to the church at Corinth, and he's like, telling them, like, come on, guys, I, we brought you the message of good news. You got in on grace. 
you got in on this and, and, and you were doing really good and, and you're not moving forward. No, come on, let's move forward. And he says this, he says, brothers and sisters, in, in verse um, one, he says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And you could just sense the frustration. And in, and in that same chapter later on, he's like, come on, guys. There's some of you that are just like barely saved. You're like saved and you just escaped the fire, but you got nothing with you. There's, there's nothing added to your life. And he's like, you're going to get to the end of your life. And the only thing you're going to say is, Whew, I made it. And he's like, there's so much more than, I made it. He's like, man, you got to get somewhere. I've got more for you. There's, God's got something. And as I'm thinking about people that might be miserably saved here or in another church, why do we stay there? Why do we stay miserably saved? I think sometimes we stay there because we don't know there's more. You know, we just didn't know. You know, we didn't know there was more. I remember when, when somebody told me about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, that's amazing. I was like, I didn't even know that. I was so excited when I found out about more. I was like, man, there's more for my walk with God. This is amazing. I'm going for it, okay? Um, so that's one of the things we just don't know. I, I know that the cares of this world can choke it out. Uh, Jesus taught a parable, and he said, people get that new life, and they're so excited. And then the cares of this world, their job is to choke it out of you. Man, if the devil can't keep you out of salvation, he's going to stunt your salvation. He's like, no, choke, choke. No, you, and he's gonna, you know, pile stuff on you and make it so you get distracted and you miss out on what God has for you. So some of it cares of the world. Some of us are not motivated. We're just like, well, I'm in. What do I care? I'm in. And again, please don't make me preach the vision message again. <laughs> I mean, nothing happened, man. I was feeling it, you know. That's not our church. I mean, we don't want to have that lazy spirit, so I don't even want to address that too long. Here's another one. Some people are held by chains that are so strong they're held by chains that are so strong they get saved but those chains just like no this addiction is going to hold you you jesus doesn't have power to take care of your addiction now they think how ridiculous that is if he can set you free from your sin how much more powerful can he be over your addiction but we just are stuck in those chains and we're just like and it's almost like we get in and 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 we can't move and and some of us almost have a fear of making it worse like hey I'm trying to illustrate this. It's like sinking in quicksand. You think if I don't struggle, it'll be easier. But if I struggle, I'm going to sink quicker. And so you think like if I try to fight against this stuff, I'm not going to get, so I'll just kind of call a truce with my sin and stay living in these struggles and in these chains. I'm telling you, that's the wrong way to do it. You weren't rescuing yourself to begin with. You are not setting yourself free to begin with. I mean, you call upon the name of the Lord and he saves you and he sets you free. So don't stay stuck, okay? And then the other thing I just got to think is we're surrounded by a culture of stall. I'm just, I'm just afraid we're, we're surrounded by a culture of stall. Maybe you're new to the church. You're like, I can't believe this church. I mean, they want me to show up faithfully. Um, and by the way, once a month is not faithful. Okay. You know, okay. They're like, they want me to be faithful. They want me to serve too. I mean, I already, they want me to give money and serve. And, uh, and they, they want me to go on a global team. And they, I, you see what I'm saying? And yes. Yes, okay, that's the way I read it. I mean, it, you were never meant to just sit there and be a consumer. If you are surrounded by stall, break out of the stall, okay? 
break out of the stall. And uh, the stall just leads to miserably saved. But regardless of the reason, God does not want you to stay miserably saved. God wants you to move forward. It's God's plan for you to get into the more and get out of the trap that is there. Um, and we're going to press forward. Uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal. Now think about that. He's already saved. And he says, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's like, hey, it's not, it's not over. It wasn't like, a, I'm in and that's it. He's like, I'm in and I got running and I haven't got there yet and I'm pressing and I'm moving forward and I want to grab hold of everything that God God has for me. And when you're moving like that, I'm telling you what, you won't be miserably saved. You'll be saved and, and excited and it'll be a new adventure every day. You got to keep moving forward. No stalls allowed. And um, one of the things that I think beautifully illustrates this, and we're just going to touch on it today. And then for the next uh, three weeks, we're going to use this in the series. Okay. Um, one of the things that just illustrates this so beautifully, again, this, this is, we could dig into this. In Exodus chapter 6, God delivers the Israelites out of slavery. Okay? Now, stick with me. This is almost like we just got things going, and now I'm uncovering where we're going, and we're going to go somewhere with this in the next couple weeks. All right? In, in Exodus, the Bible tells us that God's children, the Israelites, the Jewish people, were caught in slavery in Egypt. And God did not want them to be in Egypt, so he, uh, in slavery. And so he sent a deliverer, Moses, to deliver them from Egypt. And when he was going to deliver them, he did miraculous plagues. He brought plagues upon Egypt, trying to get Pharaoh to release the children of Israel and to say, let them go, let them go. They're supposed to go worship. They were never meant to be in slavery. And so finally, the ultimate 10th plague comes and the angel of death comes and visits any home that does not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Now that's a whole nother sermon right there. But that's why they call it the Passover. The angel of death came into Egypt and it looked. And whenever it saw the blood applied to the, to the post, which was a symbol of Jesus coming and applying the blood to the people's lives, they'd see this, he'd see that blood and he'd pass over that house and then go to the next one. If they did not have the blood applied, the firstborn male died in that household. That caused Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. He's like, they've got to go. They've got to go. They've got, get them out of here. Leave, go, go, go. And the children of Israel leave that. They leave Egypt and they get set free and they move forward. And God gives them a, a key of getting set free and of moving forward. And we're going to look at this. And in Exodus 6, um, well, let me just read this for you. Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7, and then I'll explain it a little more. God says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So this is known as the Passover and God says, I'm taking you out. I'm bringing you into what you need to have. You're on this journey with me and I want you to understand there's, there's some symbolism here and we're gonna use this in this series. The Jewish 
uh, people celebrate the Passover. They actually pass over the, or celebrate the Passover Seder is what it's called. And they have four cups, four cups of wine. And they do this and they remember this. They say, God said, I will free you from the oppression. And then the next cup, they say, um, God says, I will rescue you from slavery. I'm gonna get the slavery out of you. And then he says, the third cup, I will redeem you with my powerful arm and with acts of judgment. And it's not judgment on them. It's on judgment on people that are holding them back from what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, so get that. God's like, don't you mess with my kids. I'll I'll, I'll get you out of the way so they can get on their destiny. And then the fourth cup was, I I will celebrate with you. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. All right, so it's it's getting saved, if you will. It's like, uh, you're getting saved. You're out of Egypt. The second cup is God wants to get Egypt out of you. The third one is God wants to put you back on purpose. And the fourth one is God is amazing. Let's celebrate. All right. Now it's interesting. Pastor Chris Hodges and I were were friends and we went to Israel together. Same trip. We heard the same teaching from a rabbi there. And uh, I came back and did a creative communion. He came back and wrote a best-selling book. So (laughs) I just better pay attention more. So we're going to use his book. And thank you, Pastor Chris, uh, for this. But it's, it's, it's the Jewish Independence Day, if you will. They're saying we got set free. And when they, when they do this, they remember God set us free. And, and again, I don't want to miss this. The first cup gets saved. Man, you were tragically lost. You were dead. You were enslaved. And God's like, get saved. You, you get, I'm going to save you. And then he's like, you got to get that slavery thinking out. How many know that there's a lot of junk in your life when you get saved? Okay, you pray and you get forgiven right away. But how many know there's that junk there? You got to get that out. You got to get the junk out. And, and God starts to work to get that mentality out of you and that wrong thinking. You have your mind transformed like Romans says. Okay, and so you've got this going on. And then you're supposed to be on purpose. Again, that's why we talk about here's what you're supposed to do. Here's how you can glorify God. You were created with a purpose. Nobody's an accident. There's a plan for you. And then let's celebrate the goodness of God. Let's celebrate and grow in this relationship with God. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture of God setting us free. Now, when we participate in communion, we're kind of remembering all of it in one. We have one cup. How many know I'm talking about? And I love, you know, we celebrate communion once a month, enough to keep it frequent, but not so often that it becomes rote or just like, yep, yep, pass it, you know. Uh, so that was a decision that we made as church, as a church, that once a month would be a good amount of time for us to remember that. But I want to tell you, when we have the cup, we're remembering what Jesus did. Man, I was, I was lost. I was tragically lost and then he gave me grace and remembering that. But if you could, if we could, and we won't, but I mean, if we could and you had four cups, it's like, man, I was lost. You know, I was messed up and he cleansed me. I was, uh, I didn't have any purpose, but he gave me purpose. It's good to praise God. Okay. So, I mean, you got to think about, we're, we're celebrating all that Jesus did in our life. And the Old Testament gives us a look at it. Jesus gives us a further explanation of it. And now we understand it with the old and the new. And, and without being sacrilegious or anything, but I, I almost think that communion, you know, again, culturally, we're kind of like, it's communion, shh, quiet, it's communion. And we kind of almost get into a just like, you know, I, I give permission for the next time we do communion to look around. All right? I, I, here's how I want us to do communion. All right, I'm just going to say it. Here's, here's how I want us to do it. When we do communion, I want us to hold the glass up and the bread, and I want you to look around and people say, I was messed up. He saved me. 
you know, I was crazy, you know, <laughs> super bad, you know. <laughs> I mean, you say, and then you can be like, I'm living on purpose. You know, I mean, I don't care. You do all sorts of hand signals, you know, <laughs> and, we'll, and it's like, and, and woo, it's great to serve him. I, I don't know what you're going to do. But I mean, do you understand? When you understand what's going on there, man, I was tragically lost. I got saved. God got the junk out of me. And now he's moving me forward. I have purpose. You know, I don't have to go to church. I get to. I don't have to serve. I get to. I was made for this. You know, I, I don't fake the joy. I have joy. And that's the way we want to live. So today we're looking at, you know, that start tragically lost, saved, gloriously saved. Please don't get miserably saved. And then next week we're going to look at, let's get that junk out of you. Out of that very, I don't know, is that, I might get in trouble. I, I just I thought, get that junk out of the trunk. Get that junk out of your life. Get that junk. Is that, is that bad? I'm just looking if my wife just scolded me. I, mean, I don't know. Sometimes you say stuff and you're, I don't know. Anyways, all right. It wasn't inspired. I'm just saying. Get the junk out of your life. All right. So today, tragically lost, save. Don't, don't get in a rut of miserably saved. Get the junk out of your life. Get it out. And then uh, start living for the way you were created. The next week is going to be that. You were created for something. You are not an accident. You are here on purpose. And then week four, we are going to just celebrate uh, the goodness of God. God's too good. There should be way too much joy uh, in our lives. There should be, it should be contagious. And I guess I start with that, like, show your face, man. We ought to be so happy people are suspicious. We ought to be so filled with joy. They're like, I think they're up to something. I think they're on something. I think that ought to be the way. But today, can I just circle back? I don't want to go past this. Um, if you're in our church and uh, you've been invited by somebody, maybe you've been coming for a long time, you're not sure that you've ever said yes to Jesus, please don't just be near to God and not know God. By their own admission, we have people in our church that have said they were leaders in their church. They were former deacons in other places. And they were like, I was doing works and I was doing all this other stuff, but I didn't even know Jesus. If that's you, you're like, I, I'm near, but I don't know him. Today and at all of our campuses, we're gonna give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't be near and not know him. Don't be near and not know him. The greatest gift right now would be to move from being tragically lost to gloriously saved. And that's what I pray will happen right now here and at all of our campuses. Could you bow your heads and get ready to receive what's going to be an invitation to become gloriously saved?